Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic themes. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. And we have kind of the final session of these demonic discussions. It's not really the end of the recording, but it's the end of the discussion concerning masculinity and how to attack it. And so we're going to play that and we will see you on the other side. So now we turn to the last of the deadly sins that we're considering, pride. Pride is the prince of the deadly sins. It's true that lust is the single greatest reason that people come to us, but pride glues people to all of their sins. Pride is what keeps people from accepting the enemy's help in overcoming all of their sins, including the sin of lust. It's kind of the the one that that we can most relate to as well, and it's it's what binds us to them the way it binds them to us. That's right. We are experts in pride. Even so, there are some surprising aspects of human pride that have helped us over the last century when we discovered them, which we'll get into. Pride comes in a lot of different forms, especially for humans. It shows up as a refusal to accept help when they need it, especially spiritual help. It causes them to believe that there's no need to change. It creates a false sense of accomplishment, especially when something that they've done is merely a matter of receiving a gift. For example, often the enemy will help a human overcome some kind of temptation that we've been trying to exert on them and then we'll find that that same human falls into the sin of pride thinking that he has accomplished something great and he'll think much more of himself than he really ought at that point. Awesome. And in addition to inflating a human's sense of how good he is, it distorts for him what it means to be a good human. It also can create an unreasonable sense of how good he has to be to be a good human. This is closely linked with envy because he compares himself with others, but it also shows up as shame. When a human has shame for something that keeps him from telling it in the little box, it's usually because he's prideful about the kind of human he should be and the kind of human he should appear to be even in front of the enemy. This causes many, many false confessions in the little box that drives more humans our way. Pride even causes humans, especially in the last half century, to treat things that are very destructive to them and very pleasing to us as positive goods, as especially seen in the so-called pride movement. 
Yeah. We're, uh, more and more able to confuse them about what's good for them, what's good for us, and what the what the end of it is going to be. Yes. They never see it coming. Through pride, we can get a human to believe that almost anything that gives him pleasure is actually good. Both good for him and good in a broader sense that he's somehow fulfilling a universe-assigned mission for himself by giving into some kind of desire for whatever pleasure. Now, around the turn of the 19th and 20th centuries, we discovered that pride can be committed by a sort of transference. For a long time, we've been able to induce pride almost universally in somebody who was in a position of power, a king or a prince, who had people that they were supposed to rule over. It's easy to make rulers prideful. We make them think more of their position than it really is. We get them to think that they know more than they do about the good of the people that they rule over. And we get them to think that their own personal good is properly equated with the good, the common good, of the people that they rule over. But now, we've discovered that we can seduce masses of humans into those same thoughts. But instead of thinking about them directly for themselves, they fall into this prideful pattern with regards to their own rulers. This is especially easy when the system that they live in allows them to elect their rulers. Yeah. Because they can elect their rulers, they think that their own personal voice in choosing the leaders is a lot more significant than it really is. This causes them to become slavish towards their rulers so that if they happen to elect through our influence a ruler that is poor in virtue and that strays far from the enemy, then the people who elected that ruler almost certainly follow in those same paths. It also leads humans to think that they know more than they do about the good of those around them. Because they've been given into the pride of being allowed to elect rulers, they come to think that they know what needs to be done with their neighbors, their other family members, and so forth. They really believe that they have the wisdom that everybody else in the world needs. It's funny. The enemy, very early on, gave them stern warnings about this. He, he told them to remove the log out of their eyes before taking the splinter out of their neighbor's eyes. And That's even right. those who were following the enemy had a hard time doing that. And when you've got crowds of, of huge countries who are not following the enemy, 
it's almost a given that they're going to do this. That's right. And, of course, as with the leaders themselves, when people invest their pride in their ability to choose leaders, they begin to think that their own welfare, their own comfort, is identified with the common good of those around them. They even think that their ability to engage the world they, the way they would prefer is necessary for the common good of those around them, even when to do so requires them to be heavy-handed, to coerce those around them. Hmm. Now, having discovered this, we've made a lot of progress, it seemed, over the past century and a half, two centuries maybe even, in pushing people, groups of people, societies of people, whole nations into various programs of destruction. Every attempt to provide for the prosperity of humans and to enable their happiness that was based on top-down planning has been formulated and achieved by us as part of driving people to the sin of pride so that we can then also drive them to other sins. Communism, socialism, any kind of collectivism, nation-building, the expansive social programs in the United States during the middle of the 20th century, the European Union, much of what's done in the United Nations, all of these are success stories for us rooted in pride. The pride not only of those who are directly performing these programs and ruling these countries, but the pride of those who work to put them in power. I have to laugh myself silly as I watch some of this happening. The Those who are in league with the enemy have noticed the lack of success by these systems and have pointed it out to those who are in league with us. And those who are in league with us simply refuse to see it or acknowledge it. I'm not sure whether or not they understand it. I'm pretty sure they don't know the direction that it's going in. We work hard to keep them from knowing. Their pride blinds them because no matter what history holds and no matter what has happened in the past, through pride, we make them believe that this time their answer is right, that this time it can work because they and not those other people are the ones deciding how it's going to work. Right. Now, as we inflame people with pride, the common people, the masses, through this program of transference to political leaders through elections and other systems, this habit of pride bleeds over into other areas of their lives. And so we have families being torn apart, which makes it difficult for humans 
to develop a sense of what a normal, well-lived life is. Neighbors consider it their business to police each other's behaviors and manners of living. We've seen lots of neighborhoods, and we've pushed hard on this, that are grounded not in neighborliness, but rather in a set of restrictions that all the neighbors have to agree to in order to live in the neighborhood. It makes them almost like the old ladies who would watch everything going on outside through their window and then gossip about it. Pride also, especially as driven from this transference of pride in elected leaders, makes humans think that they mean more in the workplace than they really do. And this causes them to treat themselves to unjust considerations. They steal from the workplace, or they think that they ought to work less because they're already contributing and important, and they ought to be paid more anyway. And then, of course, those who do end up going into politics, having already been habituated in pride, easily fall into thinking that by being in politics, by being a ruler, a leader, a statesman, a member of some public board or whatever, that they are truly above those that they rule. It also leads them to be greedy and envious, and it leads them to corruptibility so that we can draw them into other sins. This all... This all... It it is right on course because the end result is almost always once especially men engage in this is that they stop taking responsibility for themselves and stop taking responsibility for the things they really are responsible for, such as their families. And it leads them into thinking that they are not responsible because the state is responsible or they're not responsible for keeping their lives up because all they have to really do is get is follow the set of rules that they've been given in that community. Once they're proud of being able to have accomplished all the things that community says, they've painted their house the right color and their grass is the right height, that is goodness and that is masculine and that is manly. And that's right. The real responsibilities almost melt away. And once the responsibility melts away, their masculinity melts away. Because very few humans understand that the pinnacle of manhood is responsibility. Yes, yes. They've, they've attached their manliness to merely following what somebody else points to and allowing the other, whether it's collective or hierarchical, to be the responsible one. They take pride in accomplishing the responsibilities that others have figured out and think that they're manly because of that. And now since collectively 
the society or community they live in tells them you do this, then you're a good man. But everything else is up for grabs. Sexual promiscuity is is okay as long as you've done these other things and as long as you can be proud of the face that your house has or that you've donated to the right organizations. That's right. Virtue is a sequence of doing certain things that are approved by everybody else rather than an inherent quality of the person that he has to see to himself. And he almost loses his perspective or the relationship that he has with the enemy. In many cases, completely loses it. Brilliant. This even shows up in regards to the church because he may become part of a committee or volunteer or something like that and even though on a physical level he may be accomplishing things that we would rather not have done he may also be at the same time habituating himself in the sin of pride by thinking that he's more important to the work than he really is or that the work is more important than it really is. And this especially happens when he begins to believe, and many people come to believe this by working in their churches, that the work that they're doing is more important than the will of the enemy, as he's expressed it through the church. Right. We, You know, it's... It's odd that we see this so strongly in something like where I've brought up before is in the sports arena. Uh, right. They seem to understand that the key to a six, successfully raising their offspring is getting them involved in sports. So these parishes that have these parochial attachments... Almost all of the men will get together and make it their mission to make sure that all the children are involved in some sort of sport. And that becomes their connection to the parish. So they're involved in something, perhaps something that we wouldn't necessarily want done, but they've replaced that something, which is usually sports, with whatever it is that the enemy wants something. Right. And so they right. feel like they've accomplished this this great thing for the church, for their family, and for the enemy when all they've done is played games. And we've been able to extract a lot of man's energy into this this tiny little endeavor. Which also brings us to schools because schools is another big place that we do that right but the schools have been helpful in so many other ways schools today bombard young humans from a very early age with the message you are special they're almost cultivating pride deliberately 
in people. And more recently, schools have been moving their focus away from the development of fixed knowledge and skills. They've been turning to softer things. Instead of focusing on math and reading, they might focus on relationships or how to handle situations with bullies or any number of other things that normally schools don't need to worry about because humans are already made to develop those naturally. But in the schools, they take and develop them unnaturally. They make them artificial. It keeps humans from learning to evaluate themselves honestly. If humans are never held up against fixed knowledge and skills evaluations, then they can easily learn that everything they do meets the criteria that it's supposed to meet because there's nobody there telling them, here's where the mark is. You can see for yourself where you fell. You missed the mark. It also replaces their ability to think with an ability to feel. And when we can atrophy a human's ability to think and enlarge his ability to feel, we get pride almost automatically in that human. Yes, who knows? They're so proud of themselves for, say, feeling pity for another human. That in itself is the, the, the driving force yes. of their pride sometimes. And we've also noticed, in, this is especially in the upper schools like the universities, they've turned the entire idea that you first went over of the management of other groups of people into a, a course with a whole bunch of subcourses under it called things like sociology. Right. Right. Now, there's kind of a backlash of this that we've been able to, I think, kind of turn to our advantage. Because we've seen... We've seen men rebel, especially the, the more masculine ones, rebel against this idea that everyone is special. And they put, in order to prove this idea wrong against those who are pushing it, they turn mostly to, again, sports. That's true. And that is where they demonstrate, well, not everybody's special. Of course... They do keep fighting back and forth on this, on whether or not each kid should get some sort of reward for participating in these sports. They miss the the real the, point, the broader point, and and they they end up in an argument that, for both sides, completely defocuses them from developing true virtue. Right. And arming yeah. themselves against us. I love it when, when our enemy gets mired down in arguments that there's no winning to because they both either direction would orient them towards us. Right. We almost can't lose. Now, in schools, 
teachers are especially subject to pride. It kind of goes with the position for pride to be a temptation. They have an inflated view of their proper role in children's lives, and teachers are often so prideful that they see themselves as more significant and more important and with a greater right to deciding how children are raised than the parents themselves. This obviously puts many of these teachers right in our pockets in terms of individual souls, but it also causes them to lead so many children astray just by leading them away from their parents. Often teachers will deride parents uh, or make fun of how, say, their parents' generation used to think or used to act, and in doing so they create the impression that wisdom born of experience counts for nothing and that whatever the previous generation did, however they felt, however they thought about things, it's proper and good to discard it and figure out your own way. A lot of times they do this secretly from the parents. Right. The parents have no idea what's going on. And there has been a backlash on that that we've seen, especially picking up in the last few years, with parents deciding to not send their children into schools. Sometimes we can use pride to cause parents to decide that that's a failed experiment. When we can get the parents to have an elevated view of what they should be able to accomplish with their offspring, or even what their they offspring should accomplish be able to accomplish, and they give up. Right. Now, another big development for us has been social media. And today, it's quite possibly one of the top drivers of pride. We talked a lot about social media when we were discussing envy. And many of the points we made then also apply with regards to pride. We've found out that the ability of a human to make a comment that millions of other humans can see causes that human to believe that they have something to say that millions of other humans should see. Yeah. We've also discovered that the way social media works, it draws humans into it to keep them focused on it. And as they spend more time looking at their screens, whether it's scrolling or clicking or sending a message in response to something, whatever it is, the less time they spend face-to-face with other humans, even those who are right next to them. And the less time they spend face-to-face with humans, the less charity they have towards them and towards people in general, the less they develop the even natural inclination towards charity that the enemy built into humans. And the less charity they have, the more easily we can fill them with pride. Yeah. In fact, 
we have found that through social media, we're able to attack humans with so many causes and make them believe that there are so many nitpicky things that they should care about that we can easily lead them into a false charity that they can then be prideful about. So we turn even their inclination to charity into our success. Yeah, almost everything being done in the highlight just makes a human feel good to the point where they feel proud and they forget about the charity itself. Right. Now, one of the things that we've done particularly in order to try to attack the church is Vatican II. We brought confusion over the identity and mission of the church through Vatican II. And we've invited so many people to have a really prideful response to what to them is a false humility. We have gotten humans to believe, humans who are part of the church, to think that they're doing a good thing by leaving the unconverted in our clutches. Yeah, that was uh, that was a huge problem for us 200 years ago. The the church was blooming everywhere to these giant groups of people who we had mostly control of. Many of them worshipped us, and the church had just kind of seeped in there and woke a lot of them up. And in the past 200 years, they've almost stopped. Yeah, we've been able to almost completely drain the missionary zeal of the church. We also created confusion over sin. One of the modern statements that's repeated again and again is do not judge. And when people say that today, we've succeeded in making it so what they really mean is don't identify this sin for what it is. With pride, we've been able to keep humans from speaking out. One of the things that often keeps people's mouths shut, even when they see very bad things being done right in front of them, is a fear of being called judgmental. They feel a shame in that because they're prideful and feel like others ought to see them as well and not be able to bring criticisms against them. Sometimes they also feel pride by looking at another person's sin and thinking, hey, I'm not doing that, therefore I'm a really good guy. This destroys true charity because when humans were truly steeped in charity, they would try to get each other to stop committing sins. But now almost nobody does that. And charity has almost disappeared and been replaced with these prideful thoughts and shames that keep them from speaking out to each other. There was a time when 
one human would look at the other human and and he would know where that human is headed. He would know that we were on the verge of bringing that human to hell. And he wanted to save him, obviously. And so he would do everything he could to save him. And I'm sometimes I'm not real sure if when that disappeared, if it's because that those humans don't don't realize that they're headed towards us and that we're going to have them soon and don't or or do, do they not want to save them or is it just that they're scared or do they just not care i wondered about this often it's it's almost as if we have willing participants even those who are in league with the enemy but i i don't always know how to take that i it's a win, so I'll take it. But I sometimes wonder what exactly is going through their minds when they see someone headed toward our den and they don't warn others. It's, hey, again, I'll take it. Yeah. But it's, it's just odd. I sometimes wonder if, sometimes I wonder if it's a trick and then I find out that it's not a trick because here they because are. People still with up us. with us. Yeah. Now, one of the things often associated with Vatican II, but not directly part of it, is what they call the Novus Ordo, the change in the right. Right. This has been fertile ground for pride. It invites every priest to be a cult of personality to his congregation. It also invites the faithful to all think that they need to have a visible role. And often they begin to believe that their role as auxiliaries, as helpers of making the right proceed, is somehow important to the right itself, as though it couldn't happen without them. And this even often causes many to decide that their importance is even higher than the importance of obedience to the few norms that the church does have in the Novus Ordo Rite. We've also been able to get people to a mindset where the music has replaced the sacrifice and the presence as the purpose of the rite. People almost don't recognize the significance of the presence even those who fully believe the presence often only see it as a side effect and they see the music as the reason for being there we've been able to even convince some of those who are part of the old right of this that's true it was it was easy even in the old right to do this it became almost a given in the new right. The other thing that we've gotten people to focus on is the social weekend experience. We've even gotten priests to think of it that way, as people are coming here for a weekend experience. So we have to have good music. I have to preach a good homily. 
I have to have food. But what this has done for us is drive way down attendance at daily mass. Now, you mentioned the old right, and that comeback of the old right is starting to cause cracks in our plan here. For one thing, it just doesn't lend itself to the same kind of pride in the priest or in the people in terms of what they do. The priest does most of the mass in a low voice, not heard by the people, not facing the people because he's facing forward with the people to offer the sacrifice. The people don't really have a role at all other than to attend and to be intentional and pray and through the ministry of the priest to receive the presence. So everybody approaches the altar the same way and because they all kneel to receive the presence, it invites them into a sense of true humility, into a, a true humility that's more than just a pretend humility. Yeah. It's not as apparent to, to the others how humble they're being because everybody's being the same. Right. And as it has been growing, almost our only hook into the old right, the only thing about the old right that we've been able to inspire pride has been in the music. And even then, it's often something that we can inspire in the director, maybe the choir, but mm -hmm. we often can't get the rest of the congregation, even in a very musical setting of the old rite, to stop thinking about the presence that they're there for. It's, it's almost confined to those who are leading the music in terms of who we can instill this pride in. Right. Now we we have had a little bit of success as as the renewed interest in the old right grows. Here and there we're able to induce pride in the attendees for for having risen above the new right. It's that's right. Something but it's becoming yeah. It's becoming less common, though, as the old right seems to be gaining more and more popularity, where for a long time there would only be very, very few people there, and those few people felt they were above the ones who don't attend. Now that more and more people are attending, that the pride that we're able to get them to is slowly disappearing. Okay, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. All right. That was pretty intense, I think. Yeah, uh, 
that's one of those things that uh, it's like, boy, you don't know how vulnerable you are until you he- hear an enemy discussing your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you know, when they... You know, I keep wanting to call these the demon tapes, but it's not a tape. It's... <laughs> yeah, because there's no such thing as tapes anymore. Nobody does tape anymore. Um, the When they talked about making each child feel as though they're special... It it reminded me the fact that almost all psychology uh, directs parents to give their kids confidence, all of it, in, in, right. in ways to make them feel more confident. Which I'm not discounting confident. I know confidence. Uh, a child, a person who has confidence, seems to accomplish more than someone who is has no confidence but it just the fact that in the bible there's no mention of this as part of say child rearing it's almost as though it's kind of like i I can't think of a good example but if if you strive for it you may or may not get it, it but you'll lose everything else yeah but on the other hand, if you strive for virtue, if you teach your kids and train your kids in virtue to be a virtuous person, the confidence kind of flows from that without the parents, you know, without us as parents having to mm-hmm. think about it too much. Yeah, especially things like humility in that a, a, a person would see themselves as they really are, which is a fallen human being who makes mistakes, but is always allowed to have that extra chance to fix their mistakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, okay. We, there is another section of this recording, which we may or not may not play in the future. I don't, we, we wanted to talk about some other stuff, uh, next week. So, It'll probably be a little while before we play the rest of it because it's a very yeah, long yeah. recording. But uh, those that wraps up our uh, Halloween season, kind of. <laughs> and we yeah. didn't plan on it being Fitting, Halloween huh? season. It's I kind of worked out that way. Yeah, it just. I happened to decide to play this, and it happened to be October when I thought of it, and then, so, here we are. It took us four weeks to do, but, and it happens to be Halloween this week, so. Mm-hmm. So, the the, the message is, uh, we need all the saints praying for us. Yeah. And aiding us. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's talk about news. And, man, i got a whole lot here. I don't know if I'll even get to it all. Um, well, we'll get started and see where we go. Do you remember Greta Thunberg? Thur- Thunberg? Thunberg? Whatever Thun- her name is. <laughs> Thunderbird? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. She, the girl that, that thinks she knows stuff. And somehow yeah. everybody else thinks she knows stuff, too. <laughs> and And it's like... Anyone who doesn't understand her her being a tool, being used by 
the whole socialist system. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how someone cannot understand this. She's a yeah. She's not real bright, and she's uh, for some reasons people seem to connect with her well, but it's so obvious that she's being uh, told what to say. And uh, one of her later uh, recent uh, talks, she said the words, um, if we can save the banks, then we can save the world. As if... Now, maybe she's... Maybe what she's trying to say is that, well, if... If we're going to put all the money into helping the banks, then we could put that money into saving the world instead. I don't know because oh, it's so okay. hard to follow. She, she might say, if we have the ability to save the banks, then we also have the ability to save the world instead. Because all that, we need to do to save the world is to spend all the extra money we have that would normally go to the banks maybe. I don't know. Okay, okay. Or she could be saying, "Oh yeah, we got to save the banks because that in save order the world. to save the world." Yeah, I think yeah, that's who, who probably knows? more what I mean, she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> she's a, she's a, it, it's sad the way she's being used, but um whatever. Yeah, why uh, don't parents let her do that? That's I you know how much you know. money they're probably making off of this? <sighs> Yeah, that I know, but I mean, would you let your kid be a public idiot in order to make money? No, I, I would hope I wouldn't. <laughs> but I love my children, so. Well, that's true. <laughs> so you know, okay, Alex Jones was being sued by the, uh, by the victims, the Sandy Hook, vic, uh, family victims. So those For kids who were suggesting shot. that. Yeah, that that questioning some... the the story, you know, and I, I think he I wasn't think... even fully like saying it never happened, like some people have said, right? He, I he was think just saying, hey, there's the, some things that don't make sense. In the very beginning, I think he may have. I don't remember. Okay. Right? I mean, I can. The problem is, people show the video of him denying, and they take real small clips and take it out of context. But he definitely questioned the the narrative. Mm -hmm. Which he questions all the narratives. And for some reason a bunch of parents got together and sued him. Yeah. And and there's and and it's it's like it's not because they're missing money or had property damage because of this. It's just because the emotional distress. So, what, yeah, I mean, that's. Did you hear what they what the jury has awarded them? No, all the jury has awarded them. I didn't even yeah. know that. One billion dollars. Wow. As if just for voicing an opinion. Yeah. As if Alex Jones has $1 billion. Yeah, that too. I mean, why do they think that? That's... They don't. They're, they're, they're trying to set an example to those who would deny the narrative. Yeah, that's exactly you know, fill what Fill in is. whatever blank narrative. That this, is, this is the new way. You, if you deny the official narrative, you're subject to harsh repercussions. I think and, that's what this is about, not about these people's feelings. 
It's also about shutting his whole uh, station down. Yeah, try to get the, get the Infowars thing shut down and everything. But I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if this is the end. If the end of uh, Infowars is coming, I think it'll just pop up under a different name. And hopefully the same people pop up again. Because yeah. uh, they do a lot of good work. I don't agree with some of the stuff they say. Or I think yeah. some of the stuff but, they say is incorrect. But, again, as I've said before, they don't lie to you. Yeah, you know, right, right, right. That they, they may come to some incorrect conclusions. But that's and different. usually... We know if, that the major media lies to you. We know that the government lies to you. Yeah. And usually if they find out they've been incorrect, they're they're pretty quick to admit it. They're pretty quick to say, hey, I was wrong about this. Yeah. Um, so, oh well. Uh, do you remember the Green Goblins that beat up a girl on the subway a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I brought that up as a nonsense news, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. Well, they did, they caught one of the girls, or at least she turned herself in. And I guess she was in custody for a little while and then they let her go. I have a feeling maybe she was cooperating and giving the names of the other people. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But she's okay. out. But it, it was a 26-year-old woman. And that seems really odd to me. I mean, that's the kind that of thing or that old, a it, gang of 16-year-olds would do, you know? Yeah, like you'd expect... Well, I was even thinking like 13-year-olds. But yeah, that's... Certainly not something an adult would do. Someone above, mm-hmm. you know, 18. It's just... Don't you have a life to go to and to work and other things? For heaven's sakes. Right. So, I guess it was early last week. There were... In Washington, D.C., at the FBI building there were these explosions going off, these loud bangs. Mm-hmm. And they had people there. I, I, I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere else in the media except for places like InfoWars. Um, so far, there's no explanation. But they, there's a video. I'll try to find the video and I'll, I'll link to it. Um, I mean, they're really loud explosions. They sound like Almost like bombs. Now, the explanation given was that there's a pressure relief valve that was going off. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I I work with a lot of mechanical things, and some of them involve pressure. And I know what a, I know what most pressure relief valves would or should sound like. And this sounds right. like nothing that I could fathom, but. That was their explanation. It's just a really weird thing because, you know, Washington, D.C., the FBI building, explosions going off and everybody walking around as if nothing's happening. But it went on for like a couple hours, I think. Every, you know, every, every 30, 40 seconds. Wow. I'll find the video of it. Pretty odd. Yeah. Um... (laughs) The let's see, we've got some Russia stuff here. 
So first of all, um, so we're getting reports now that Iranian troops are in Crimea, or Crimea, Crimea uh, assisting the Russian military and using Iranian drones, which they got from us, by the way. I mean, Obama gave them those drones and all that technology. And now, apparently, they're using it against Ukraine. And since they're using it against Ukraine, they're using it against us because I'm pretty sure that Biden has boots on the ground over there. Uh, I think that I don't know why. I think there's something there's something weird here because at the end of Trump's okay, Obama did all this stuff with Iran. Yeah. Uh, he gave them a lot of money and a lot of technology and kind of set them up to be a nuclear power. And then Trump comes in and towards the end of Trump's career, uh, presidency, they were trying to get him to attack Iran. Remember the whole mm. drone that yeah. they blew up? And they were so disappointed when he didn't attack them. Right. I remember that. And then... Under Biden's regime, suddenly there's a bunch of protests going on in Iran that the liberals seem to really be behind, you know, rooting for them, along with Iranian and Russian cooperation in this war. And I just... I wonder what's going on here. Because now suddenly everybody's... Uh, the, the left is bad-mouthing Iran. And it just... I gotta wonder what's going on here. I just... I, I'm, I'm so unable to trust the narrative that the left gives me that whatever they say, I'm pretty sure there's more to it than that. And I don't believe them. And yeah. I just, well, that's... I wonder what's going on here in Iran. And how it relates to Russia and how it relates to Israel. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Israel, uh, Adidas and Jeff Man- Def Jam Recordings terminate their uh, partnerships with Kanye West in response to anti-Semitic remarks that he made. I don't, I don't know if his remarks were really anti-Semitic. Were they you anti-Semitic, or was he just? <laughs> he was point. talking about things. That he was saying you never see Jewish homeless, things like that. Oh yeah, because they take care of each other. Yeah, I, I guess that's. I mean, that's it it know, wasn't. That's not anti, anti-Semitic. It's, and he was talking about the the Jews of the West um, being in control of a lot, mm-hmm. and which they are. Yeah. But I mean, like you know, even the the the, uh, the Hollywood, most of that's controlled by Jewish people. And but I don't know. It just seems like when after seeing uh, who who's that one part of the squad, Omar, some of the anti-Semitic oh. statements that she's made. Yeah. <clears throat> why they're going yeah. after Kanye West? For 
for pretty innocuous things. Yeah, it just Ex- whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, more than eight thousand, eighty thousand people take part in a rally in Germany to show their solidarity with the protesters in Iran. See, there we go. I don't, I don't know what that's there, about. Yeah. It, there's something going on there. Thousands of protesters march in London to uh, protest Brexit and are calling, demanding the to rejoin the. Uh, European Union. I I don't think so. I I think I think this is a very small percentage. It's, yeah, that's it's a nothing. Yeah. Xi Jinping is reelected as General Secretary to the Chinese Communist Party by the Central Committee, beginning the third term as Paramount Leader of China. I. What are so when they're, I guess okay they're saying he's elected by the central committee. In other words, a group of other government officials elect the leader. It's not yeah. like they have elections, is it? No, well, no, not. They certainly do not have general popular elections in China. Okay, I don't know how the system exactly works. Uh, it's possible that. Um, that they have, say, from time to time, I don't know, annual or every however many years. Yeah, it's possible that that maybe they hold elections. It could be like regional or whatever, where people get to pick between this communist and that communist to serve, say, on on the central party or something like that. I don't know. Maybe they do. Mm-hmm. If, if they do, that's as far as it goes. Is okay. We, the government, we, the central party, will give you your options. You pick. We're all going to be in it together anyway. It's not like the people will ever in China be given the opportunity to change the nature and direction right. of Chinese government. So, right. But yes, I, I think that's how how it is. Like the central committee elects um, a um, leader. You know, a leader. And it's kind of like you, you know. Uh, you think of how corporations work. You the stockholders elect, say, a board of directors, yeah. um, and then, which that would be like if the people were electing the central committee, which they don't in China. But the thing is, then the board of directors gets together and and perhaps elect a chairman mm-hmm. um, to run the board meetings, and then the board, you know, maybe appoints corporate officers like the CEO and stuff like that depending on how the, what the charter of the company is but yeah. I think it's that kind of thing they get together and pick one from among themselves okay the United States Armed Forces successfully conducts a test of its long range hypersonic weapon off the coast of Virginia this is uh, it, it was expected to do this test in 2023 and it did it this month um, this is a surface to surface hypersonic missile but if I get this correct it's a they take it up in the air and then it fly, it glides down instead of flying down at hypersonic speeds and I think 
can't remember what it said. It was like like three or four times the speed of sound. Lighting? Yeah. That doesn't sound possible. That's what I that's what I don't get here. I mean how 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 did they do this? Um let me I mean, you'd, you'd have now to, then, to once I so, started talking about it, I thought, no, this can't be right. You'd have to be so slick, you know, in terms of air friction and stuff that you wouldn't have any any way to steer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, consists of a large rocket booster that carries the unpowered common hypersonic glide body in a nose cone. Once the booster gets certain height and speed, and I think maybe the booster, aside from getting real high and then dropping it, maybe it also gets it very fast. And maybe it gets it that fast outside the atmosphere. Oh, Which like, is why they're able uh, to drop it and then let it glide in unpowered, even at hypersonic speeds. Yeah, but Cause, I mean, like you said, but wouldn't it burn up? I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I don't think hyper. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, three or four times the speed of sound. I don't know if that's enough to to make it burn up. Um, I had the but, uh, <clears throat> I had the speed here somewhere, and I can't remember where it was. But I'm just thinking that. You know, in order to maintain that speed, because you're going to hit air friction, right? If and and that's going to slow you down. And if you put features on the body of the thing that are capable of steering it, those features are going to cause more air friction and slow it down more. So that's where I'm, I'm thinking. Like, is it just a a like? Does the booster sort of aim it? And boost it, and then fire and forget, and the thing just goes where it goes. I no, I think they have to control it as it's gliding. But dag on it, where did I see it? I had a spot that told me how fast it was going, and now let me try one more quick search here. Nope. Um. Oh, wait a minute. Five and 25 times the speed of sound. Okay, hypersonic missiles can go five to 25 times the speed of sound. Okay. But this is not a normal hypersonic missile. Because it's this not is, powered. Yeah, this is a glide, boost glide missiles, which descend through atmosphere at high speeds after an initial launch phase. So they get it up past the atmosphere and then drop it. I imagine it has to be steered as it comes down, but what's that's how they get it going so fast. What's the what's the value that they get by doing it that way? I guess there's nothing powering it that would draw anti 
missile missiles. Oh, it's hard. You, you can't use the heat signature to, to take it out. Right, and it and it's going so fast. I mean, they can make things go that fast, but then they've got other things that can shoot them down. There's right. no, uh, there's nothing that we have that can follow it. Yeah. Okay, that's how it works. I'm not sure about that. I mean, is it is it also like designed with like a super small radar profile or something like that? The that we wouldn't be able to track it with radar? It must be in order to maintain that speed and to get it get it that high. I mean, think of how much it costs to get a spaceship out into space. I mean, if you're going to do this for one missile, I don't know. I don't I don't know how uh how advantageous is it to have a single missile that uses all that fuel just to get launched and then it can't be so big that it can't be shot down by something, you know? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, okay, you, you make it so tiny that, that it's impossible to track it by radar or visually and now... It's also so small that it can't carry a significant payload or something. I, I don't know. It seems to me like right. I'm struggling to see the value, the, the sort of right. the totality of the value. Yeah, I think. I wonder if it does something. So let's say instead of carrying explosives, it carries some kind of uh, organic weapon. Oh, but right. then. You don't need a mus- missile to do that. You could just go in there and, you know, it, you could do that with anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. I guess, but they're testing it, and they did test it, and it was successful, so good for them. <laughs> we got more ways to kill people. Um, let's see. The CDC... Uh, panel votes 15 to 0 to add COVID shots to the childhood vaccination schedule. Did you hear about that? So, you know, now you used to have your your MRM and your polio right. shots. Now you got your COVID shot. And they're saying they're, the, the CDC has voted to make that one of those shots. And we got a couple states saying, no, I don't think so. Not in my state, but yeah, Not a lot. Well, that's good. You know, people, just the, a few of them, like DeSantis and people like that. Mm-hmm. Stinks. Um, <clears throat> let's see. DC Comics cancels the bisexual Superman series <laughs> due to due to poor sales. Uh, you think? I couldn't think that. See that one coming. Um. We got Dr. Peter McCulloch. A couple things. First of all, he's saying, look, the jab-induced myocarditis among mm-hmm. teens is a lot worse than anyone thinks. And he's oh, really? predicting a lot of death over it. I know they... Every day I'm hearing about another teenager dying for no reason or even kids dying for no reason ever since we started giving everyone the jab I yeah 
A lot of people are dying from this. So, he also says that the what we've done is produce an irrational fear of COVID. And it seems to have supplanted the real concern that people ought to have about nuclear war. And I would agree with that. I, nobody seems to be worried about nuclear war right now. That's true. Even though it's, with things developing with Iran and Russia and stuff, it, who knows? That's becoming more and more of a... Yeah, I, I'm to starting to really about. worry about it. I To the point where if I lived in a place like Washington, D.C. or New York, yeah, I'd be I looking would move. for a way to move inland. Yeah, I'd get out of there. Um... Canadian school board member confirms, I guess they were asked and they finally admitted, that some students are identifying as animals. Yeah. That's weird. I think what this is, is like they're telling these kids, oh, you can identify as anything you want. And I think just smart Alex are saying, well, I'm a goat and I'm a cat. Oh, maybe that, yeah, maybe they're just I think that's what's going on. That's what I would do if I were. That would a be pretty funny if that's what it is. Yeah, I hope that's what's going on. Pope Benedict uh, praises Vatican II as meaningful and necessary for the Church. Oh my so, gosh! All you people who are uh, Pope Benedict's a real Pope, not Pope Francis. I, I don't know. I don't know why you look to that. I mean. For a while, I guess we all thought he was real conservative. He did give us the Latin Mass. And I I mean, the popularity of the Latin Mass right now is because of what he did. Making it possible for priests to celebrate it. Pope Francis is erasing that, or at least erasing the, the rule that Pope Benedict gave us. But he's not... He's not the guy that everybody thought he was. You know? Right. He's not the guy who's gonna who's gonna give us back the church. Um Pope Okay, the National Hockey League is gonna focus on diversity when it published a report, as if they needed a report that found focus that on diversity instead of Hockey? Yeah, they're going to focus on diversity because the report found that its members were overwhelmingly white. Didn't they do so, that in NASCAR too? Black guys like, don't like to play hockey, so what? Yeah. Maybe black they guys like prefer basketball hockey. or football or. And they don't like whatever. racing. <laughs> it's so dumb. That is really dumb. Black guys, black guys prefer to keep all their teeth. <laughs> I gotta say, personally, I've never been a big fan of hockey. I don't, I don't know why. I. Okay, I. I've only been not... to a couple of games myself. Um, 
I, I have is... not become an avid fan. I enjoy going to a game when there's other people that I'm hanging out with that I like being with. Yeah. But it's kind of like that for me with any sport. I don't know why. I Okay, I, I feel like this sounds really gay to say this, but it bothers me when I'm in a huge crowd who are rooting for violence. That, oh. It just bugs me. I'm like, okay, I know that, okay, if hockey's a rough sport, you get in a lot of fights, okay. The same way in NASCAR, you get in a lot of wrecks. But you don't yeah. sit there and root for a wreck. Yeah! Right. Bash into him. Destroy the cars. <laughs> and It's like, why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. I, it bugs me. So I, I don't enjoy hockey games. Well, you know, hockey is... Um, they're, the, the, the fights um, are actually a um, official part of the game. There's actually a... Um, there are actually rules within the game for the escalation of, of something into yeah. a fight. Yeah, I know. Have you heard Pope Francis assign, uh, giving uh, making all these new members of his uh, Pontifical Academy for Life? He's I got one guy in there. Him appointing somebody who's like this pro-abortion atheist who yeah. thinks that we need to depopulate the world or something like that. Mariana Mazzucato, Mazzucato, uh, described self-described atheist and enthusiastically pro-abortion. He's also got, um, let's see, another guy who, let's see, let me find this one name. I want to name these people. Um, Professor Roberto Deloro. Hmm. Uh, who is who rejected the Dobbs decision as undemocratic and totalitarian he yeah, also I, says abortion gives women moral agency I don't even know what the hell that means well, but I, that's a stupid statement I don't even know what that means Yeah, we've also got this guy Father Humberto Miguel Yanez uh, he's the professor of moral moral theology at the Jesuit Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. Uh, he holds that contraception can be morally licit under certain circumstances. Uh, it's just these people that I don't know how there can be any Pope splainers anymore. Yeah, this, I, this guy's just the worst. I mean, if. if if you want to say, yeah, we gotta pray for Francis. We gotta pray for the church to get past Francis. We gotta, you know. But you gotta start seeing it that way. That whatever Francis you, is, it's something that he's we bad. have yeah, to. Francis is get bad. through. This Period. is a there's, stumbling there's block no way to for spin all that of Francis us. Francis is somehow a good guy. Yeah, it's just dumb. Uh, so remember when DeSantis. Uh, passed a bill banning sexual content in Florida classrooms. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess people sued. Uh, I don't even know who 
tried to block him from doing that. But the federal judge sided with DeSantis, and he is not going to block the bill which bans sexually sexual content in Florida's classroom. So that's good. Yeah. Well, the gays are all upset about that because they yeah. really use the classrooms to promote their lifestyle. They're just so into... Perversion. I mean, if you're not gay, you don't even think about this stuff. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, but wait, for wait, some wait, reason, wait. gays... I'm going to be able to tell kids about sex. Oh, yeah, only gay like, people think that way. Yeah. I don't... I, I just... In fact, the the... The talk that fathers eventually have to have with their sons is painful for yeah. for the father and the son. They're like, the dad doesn't want to say it, and the kids think it's oh, will you shut up? It. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not normal for people to want to talk about sex, except for you know guys with their friends, and you know, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's a there's a place for it, but certainly not in a, <clears throat> in a schools. Yeah. It's just stupid. Um, I guess the Vatican, there was a award given to uh, Jeff Bezos, which was backed by the Vatican for philanthropy. This is the, you know, pro-LGBT, yeah. pro-abortion Amazon founder mm-hmm. who now runs, what, the Washington Post? That's disgusting. Again, it's, it's just, the stuff coming from the Vatican is yeah, it's painful. It's like, yeah. You just can't even pretend anymore that the Pope, the Vatican, the, the environment there is anything but evil. And it, and it hurts because we know what it should be and what it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it and it's just not, and it's no matter explaining is going to make it so. Uh, Elon Musk is expected to finalize his purchase of Twitter this Friday. This episode might not be uh, published until Friday, so um, we'll see what happens if he does. If he does finalize this, and in, and the question is, is he going to unblock people? I wonder. Right, right, right. I think just today I was finally able to repost to start posting on YouTube again. I'll bet it doesn't last very long. But mm-hmm. I got a couple of our shows up. We'll see if I'll, we'll I'll see. bet by the time <laughs> this one's Probably. ready, I won't I'll You're be banned again. again. Yeah. <laughs> um let's see. Catholic University this is okay. This is a Jesuit-run university, St. Louis University. Mm-hmm. Is um, they hosted a drag queen show featuring one of their oh. employees? Wow. Uh, cardinal Cupich. I can't believe that guy's a cardinal. He <laughs> had to uh, give a list of names of the clergy that were credibly accused of sexual child abuse and he omitted names on it yeah well wait a minute was he did that go to the authorities or to the Vatican or was this like internal 
Okay. Cupid is uh, reported. Chicago Sun Times said that the Archdiocese of Chicago's new listing of credibly accused child sex abuser priests. Huh. What is that? Is this something that's I, open to the public, or I think this is yeah, something what's... that the diocese gives to the public. <laughs> the diocese omissions reportedly include priests whose own religious orders have deemed them guilty of sexual sex abuse of children, and clergy who were the subject of lawsuits over sexual predation that were eventually settled by church representatives. Uh, so I guess Cupid gives this list to the public. Yeah, sounds like he's if just it, like this is what I can figure out. And of course, he left some names out for publication. That's weird. You know, it was weird when I can't remember which bishop it was here in Cincinnati. Um, just kind of out, I guess maybe he thought he was going to get out in front of something just announced out of the blue that there were five priests in Cincinnati who had been accused of sexual uh, assault sexual abuse huh. and I don't remember that I think he, he actually told the uh I can't remember. I can't remember why he did that. But he had announced it. And then... Like... Two months later... At St. Bernard's... Suddenly there were a bunch of protesters outside. Apparently Father... What was his name? Dang it. Not Father Durger. Father Durger was one of those people on the list. But, okay, here's what bugs me. So, a bunch of protesters show up, and then the bishop says, yeah, Father Durger was one of those five people. So, he takes Father Durger out of the diocese against everybody's wishes. Like, Mm -hmm. no one asks the people of the diocese, which I guess, I mean, that's how it works. You know, this is a monarchy. The people don't yeah. decide, but the what they said is this is you know this is pending investigation. We're going to find out if he's really guilty. But some people went and found the people, the girl who accused him. Oh, uh-huh. and the accusations were so idiotic; they were impossible. You remember how big Father Durger was? He was yeah. like twelve of me. I mean, he was a big guy. He's just, he's fat, all right? The claim was that he had crawled up into the ceiling and looked down through the ceiling panels in the girls' bathroom. (laughs) That was one of the claims. It was like, are you kidding me? He would not be able to climb up there, let alone the ceiling that would hold his weight. And it, it was accusations like this. So they pull him out of the diocese and say, well, you know, this is just pending the investigation. Meanwhile, he dies. 
Now, then the investigation is dropped. And some of the parishioners called the bishop and said, well, wait a minute, aren't you going to clear his name? And the bishop says, clear him of what? He's uh, assumed innocent until proven guilty. It's like, well, then why the hell did you take him out of our diocese? Or out of our parish? The whole thing was so mishandled after our bishops had been moving uh, pedophile priests around for years, decades. Was that Polarczyk who did all that? In Cincinnati. I don't think it was. I don't know if it was Schnur or not. Wasn't there another one between Schnur and Polarczyk? historical list of the bishops. Bishops of Cincinnati. Here we are. <laughs> Schnur and right before Schnur is Polarczyk. Polarczyk yeah. was to 2009. I'm trying to think of how long ago this was. I don't know which one it was. If it was Schnur. Or, I'm pretty sure it was Polarczyk. I bet it was. And then of course it had to be. was Bernadine. Bernadine, the one of the worst guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it couldn't have been Schnur. I, I have more respect for Schnur than most bishops. Although he did shut us down. Yeah. He did cave to the COVID thing. Uh, maybe he didn't have a choice. I, I'll give him the benefit <clears throat> of doubt on that. Maybe the Pope told him close your churches. Now, if. To me, if you were a good man, you'd say, no, I'm not closing the church, even if the Pope tells you to. I don't think... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Can the Pope say, you can no longer be a bishop, you can no longer have mass and things like that? Because the priest serves in the diocese under the... the the under, at the pleasure of the bishop. If the bishop says you can't say mass here, the priest cannot say mass there. Right. Is that same kind of thing come from Pope Francis? If Pope Francis says you, no one's allowed saying mass in that city until COVID is. I don't know. I just, I think it was handled wrong. But at the same token, he did clean up our seminaries, and we still have a Latin mass, a couple mm-hmm. of them actually. So. I, I gotta give my hats off for that. Uh, Alright, where were we here? So, a, a judge in New York City voids the COVID jab mandate, uh, rein, orders reinstatement for all the people who were fired because of not being vaxxed, oh, and cool. demands back pay for oh, those wow. workers. Awesome. That would be awesome. I think the New York City's um, making an appeal or appealing that ruling. So we'll see what happens. So there's basically city employees that that we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, All 
A bunch of German Catholics have demanded that a bishop there resign uh, for starting a pro-LGBT ministry, which wasn't really a ministry. Yeah, that's what I... I mean, there's like a bunch of them, isn't there? Yeah, I I thought there were bunch of them in bed maybe literally I don't know like but you know sort of the one they're going after is Bishop Peter Colgraf uh Mm. but I think he's the one who organized a lot of the uh the gay stuff there yeah okay uh Cardinal Parolin let's see in an address to Catholic Television Network EWTN the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, says that he thinks Catholics' medias should should be in communion with the spirit of the Pope. No. Should live in a spirit of communion with the Pope. And that should be their top priority. So, well, I guess this, this is... Normally I would agree, but not this Pope. Yeah. And I, I mean... Very, only a very small amount of of the EWTN crowd is even given any pushback to this pope. So I, I don't know, know who he's talking to. I don't. I. But he he was talking about EWTN. There have been a couple of people there who have been a little bit more outspoken, mm. uh, but most of them. I, don't know. I would say they should strive to live Pope's in a spirit it. of unity with the papacy, considered as a total historical institution. Yeah, and 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 you know, reality it's been, of the church. Uh, well, infiltrated. Then Francis is just a blip, and so you still stay in in a spirit of unity with the totality of the papacy. Then you'd be yeah. okay. Then the story is: How do we get past this blip? How do we handle yeah, that's this? Right. things like that? Because it's a pretty big blip when when you're. Because eventually we're going to have to do that, but maybe not in our lifetime. Um, so there was a woman who con celebrated a mass, which I don't even know what that what means. Does that mean? I don't think she. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that's possible. Well, they're they're forcing some priests to con celebrate. In other words, two or three priests come up together and all celebrate. Yeah, she that's, went that's up there. A thing. There's, there's like supposed to be like one annual time when every bishop is supposed to have a cons like th- these con celebration yeah. masses, and all the priests have to participate in them. And yeah, that was one of the rules of Traditionis Custodes was that the priests who who say masses for the groups of Catholics. Um, that are you know being targeted, they have to agree to do those con celebrations. Yeah. So I guess at this church in um, where was this? The Swiss parish. Um. So a parish in Switzerland had a woman who went up there with the couple other priests and went through the actions that a priest would go through to con-celebrate. 
And this was like, then she left the parish along with a couple of the other priests and deacons or something like that. She, wow. And it looks like when she did this, she went up there barefoot. I don't, this is so weird. That's, that's really weird. That's, it's like, why, okay, if you guys want to start your own religion. Just go do it. Get out why, of the church. Why, uh, why do this to us? You know, yeah, why, why not just go Catholic if you're just going to go do your own religion? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. But that's all the news I got. It's a lot of news. Yeah. I tried to fly through it there. <laughs> well, I got a little bit of news. Uh, so, for one thing, um, what would you what would you think about Biden giving your daughter dating advice? Biden giving the daughter dating advice. Giving yeah, so some woman uh, was ha- taking a selfie with her daughter, her her young teenage daughter, and and they were with Joe Biden. And Yuck. so that you know, it was like okay, just a selfie opportunity with the president, whatever. So then he grabbed the girl and leaned in and started giving her dating advice. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> did you <laughs> did you see the? Uh, I want to make sure it's not in your news stories. Doesn't look like it. Um, okay. Biden visited some school or something and. There's a picture of him leaning over this little schoolgirl. And when you look down at what the schoolgirl has written on her desk, it says, help. (laughs) (laughs) It literally says, help. That's funny. (laughs) If you look at the girl who, who Joe Biden's talking to, she looks pretty uncomfortable here. Yep. He's got yep. his hands on her shoulder and she's like, ooh, dude, don't touch oh, me. What are you doing? <laughs> well, and see, that's, that's to me, the story, okay, Biden gives creepy dating advice to a teenage girl, whatever, but to me, what's up with this mom? Who, what kind of mom takes her kid to have a picture taken with Biden anyway? Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. I would keep Biden away from my girls. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's not like... your girl. If he's just going to come over and sniff her, that's bad enough. Yeah. But if he's going to touch her... Yeah. Keep your hands off my girls. All right. So, uh, a woman in California is um, has been arrested for collecting... Um, benefits uh, unemployment benefits I guess uh, under other people's names including some um, like convicted killers and stuff I guess she worked at the state prison and so she maybe knew about some of these men or something like that we don't know whether she ever met the men well 
Yeah, because I mean, I heard a story earlier this week about the fact that um, prisoners are allowed to receive certain benefits, like the the Joe Biden uh, COVID relief stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, prisoners could get that, and it was like, why? Do we, that's crazy. But I guess once you find out how much a prisoner can get. You could do all kinds of stuff to take advantage of that and just start collecting a bunch of money. Right, right. So, like, yeah, I mean, if somebody's in prison, it's it seems like it would be pretty easy to steal his identity. Um, it's not like he's yeah. really using it for anything. <laughs> yeah, he's in jail. But, he ain't using it. But, you know, that could be another racket. What if prisoners kind of, like, loaned their identities out for people to use? <laughs> Right. Well, maybe they were complicit in Make this. Make some money. Maybe, yeah, I'll yeah, give you half the money. Whatever. And, yeah. I'll do all the paperwork that's needed to be done. You get half mm-hmm. the money, I get the other half. And if she set that up with two or three prisoners, she's starting to make some money. That's right. Which apparently she did. Well, I <laughs> yeah. don't know if the other prisoner was <laughs> part of it. Caught. But yeah, she got caught. All right, the uh, Iowa Department of Natural Resources uh, has clarified that a possible mountain lion that somebody reported looks like it was actually somebody's cat. Okay, so how do they know? How do they know that it was? Who reported a mountain lion that was really a cat? First of all, uh, so some experts saw the video. They believed there was enough possibility that it was a mountain lion that they wanted to warn the public. But then, on further inspection, they revised their statement, saying it is in fact a house cat. Um, okay. <laughs> Actually, I'm seeing the video now. That is yeah, very obviously not a mountain lion. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Under certain, no, that's it, a cat. it depends on how. It's just a cat. I, you know, to me, it looks like compared to the size of things like the leaves laying on the grass and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. It... Oh well. They still say so they thought there was if a, you mountain see a mountain lion. lion call nine one one. Don't approach. Call nine one one. Are there mountain lions in Iowa? <laughs> I would not think so, but. You know, I don't know. It's 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 a little I bit. I mean, they're in west California. Do, do, they're do some of the mountains, mountain ranges go into Iowa? I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, most of them are further west. I think. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, if I you saw them, if you saw a mountain lion, would you call nine one one? I wouldn't. Don't think unless I it was in the saw. city. Maybe if it was in the city, but. If I see a mountain lion, I, even in the suburbs, I'd be like, well, there's a mountain lion. Well, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. But I imagine they're around. They, they live in America, so... Mm-hmm. And, and they must come into the city from time to time. Probably take people's dogs or cats or whatever. Yeah. Or livestock. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. So... Speaking of cats, um, this guy came up with a invention that puts cats' eye shine 
to shame. Um, yeah. He lost an eye to cancer, so he had a uh, prosthetic, and he invented a uh, flashlight to, to put in, in place of his prosthetic. Oh. Okay, so, so he he's can, like, got a fake eye, and he can mm-hmm. take that out and put a flashlight in it, and now he can look... And have a light shine wherever he's looking. That's right. The way cats, only cats have to reflect it. He can actually yeah. create the light. And That's right. <laughs> my, uh, I think my mother-in-law had a prosthetic eye. Oh, really? And I never I, knew that. If she did, I would get her one of these. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey mom, try this out. <laughs> she's had she's had a eye transplant. Oh okay, okay. So she has actually twice. She had one and she had it for like six or seven years, and then something happened and her body rejected it, and then she mm-hmm. had another one. So she's had two uh, fully functional eyes put in place but before oh, that wow. she was i i don't know if she was just blind i'm trying to remember i or if she had a fake eye that she had in there i can't even remember that would be cool to have though if i had a fake yeah. eye i would get one <laughs> something like that i mean just think about it. i mean if you've got a glass eye anyway yeah because you, know, well you make can it take functional. those out and stuff from what i understand yeah, you pop them out. So, I mean, why not come up with your own things to pop in there? I mean, just all kinds of freaky stuff just to... <laughs> yeah, just demonize. To all right, that is all I have for news. And we have our Bible trivia. Okay. We roll the dice. Comes up with a four. Which is places. Okay, the question is What land was Jacob and his sons living in when a famine came? I think I know the answer to this one. I'm going to go ahead and check the back, see if I'm right. Yep, I'm right. I have no idea. So, do you remember the story of the famine? Yeah, they, because Joseph had been sold, and then he went to Egypt and started, right, uh, getting that country all in order, and so, which, okay, here's the thing about Egypt and its history. Most of the um, success that Egypt has had as a uh, as a people came from conquering other rich societies. Mm -hmm. They would go conquer and take their gold and their food and their everything and that's how they would succeed. They weren't, I don't, there wasn't a long, many periods where they did a lot of farming and things like that if I understand it right so it that story always kind of surprised me 
Like how how did they become successful while the other areas um, were suffering from famine? Well, that's that 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 had to do with Joseph's ability to interpret the dreams. Because remember, the Pharaoh yeah. kept having those dreams, and Joseph interpreted that there would be seven years of really good crops followed by seven years of famine. So what they did, yeah, the Egyptians, he, in response to that save. prognostication, stored up their crops from the good years. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. were able to trade those and sell them to the other lands and collect wealth that way. Well, I don't know which land Jacob was in. Okay, it was actually the same land that they eventually returned to um, that God had given and and promised to Abraham. So the the promised land, okay, okay. That would make sense, and I guess if I were going to guess, that's what I would have guessed, but, um, okay. So there you have it. All right. So God gets him out of Cana to Egypt and then enslaves him there and then brings him back again right. to this promised land, which I is think, where they were I think originally. part of it was to but, show, you know, was God's providence because this famine was coming and providentially God took care of them. He, he, he allowed Joseph to be sold by his brothers into Egypt so that he eventually could bring them down. And then in Egypt, they flourished. And then they were enslaved. And then, so they had no power to escape slavery themselves. And God took them out of Egypt by his his own hand, showing kind of a a, uh, analogy for sin, our complete helplessness and our reliance on God. Not only that, but the the twelve brothers—the fact that they sold Joseph shows that they weren't really following God, anyway. But well, yeah, once yeah. they were but, saved by know, Joseph. Remember, by this time, I mean, God hadn't even established the Ten Commandments or anything by this time. Right, right. But they were bad dudes. Yeah, they they were nasty. I mean, dudes. they sold their brother. <laughs> mean, 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 mean. And so he punishes remember, them Jacob for that and then brings them to... stole his brother's blessing for a bowl of soup yeah. or traded it, you know. Yeah, and God didn't seem to mind that. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't that part of the plan anyway, though? Didn't God want him to do that? I, I can't remember now. I get his story well, mixed up. Well, we don't know that story. God wanted him to do that. We know that... Um, God allowed it anyway. Well, and gave him the blessing. Rebecca, uh, Isaac's wife, wanted him to do that because she liked Jacob better. But Esau was the one who That's came right. out first. Yeah, and and when when he was young, Esau was hungry, and he said, "Let me have a bowl of soup, and and you can have our father's blessing when the time comes." So they traded that, and then, um. And then Rebecca helped him pull it off by telling him, put on an animal skin because your brother has, you know, his real hirsute and stuff. I wonder how, 
how different they those two were. The fact that he could put on animal skins and fool someone into thinking, oh, this is my son because he's got so much hair. Yeah. You know, that must have been one really hairy guy. <laughs> really, really hairy dude, I know. <laughs> it been like part animal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Yep. And uh, have a happy Halloween. And think about what we said. And as always, go raw, circle the beads. We'll see you next week.